Welcome to Doing Time with you. I'm your host, Joe Baker, back again with another episode, right? In this episode, I'm going to be answering a few questions from some students, well, a student at a college in Utah. Uh, my co-host, Michael, is here. He's going to be uh, answering these questions with me, and he may even uh, throw in the questions that he was asked by some college student in Utah. Um, we don't know necessarily what school it is, but we really do. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's all good. We understand the parameters of the program. It's supposed to be one of those situations where uh, we're not supposed to write uh, them directly, which we don't. Uh, we write to the doctor, uh, Dr. Mackenzie Wood. Shout out to the doctor. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think that something like this is worthwhile doing, especially under these circumstances. Um, but before we get started, I'm going to let Michael introduce himself and say something. Hello again, everybody. I, I hope that uh, everything's well with you and that uh, this class can benefit from the answers we give and send us more. And it'd be easier for us to answer like this. Dig that. Dig that. Um, I received a letter. It, this letter was written January 12th. I received it yesterday. Uh, and that was, what, what was yesterday's date, Michael? 31st. The 31st. Over two weeks. Now, that's neither here nor there with me, but I wish we would all uh, get caught up with the modern times and do this by email or something like that. We can speed this process up and you could have many, many, many of these episodes to enjoy and ask any questions that you may have and a lot more questions than that. But my pen pal from Utah, her name is Nicole. And Nicole wrote this letter to me and I'm going to read it to you. And... Uh, this is what she says. I'm a student working on a master's degree at a college in Utah. I'm in a class that is studying the prison experience, and we're given the chance to explore this through a pen pal exchange. I have worked in numerous arenas in the criminal justice system, and this topic fascinates me. She goes on to say, I was told you run a podcast called Doing Time with Joe and would be sharing these. Indeed, I am. The questions I have for you are, one, have you been incarcerated at other facilities or moved or transferred, and how did that experience compare to your current facility, was it a plus or a minus, right? And the second question is, I started listening to your podcast. I love the prank calls. Dig that. Appreciate it. How did you get started with this? Is this a unique opportunity given to you, or are there others doing something similar? And the third question is, what are you most grateful for, big or small? And she goes on to say, I am open, I am open to any other topic or inside peak you would want to discuss and hope to hear back from you. Here are our ground rules and guidelines we have to follow. I'm trying to be as transparent as possible. One, at the end of the semester, it's April, all correspondence must stop. I can no longer write or receive any mail. True that. The class will be taught again in the future if you want to participate again. And the letters will be posted and shared with the whole class. And you can respond to my address, Professor Dr. McKenzie Wood. And then I'm not going to give you the P.O. box. She says, I hope to hear back from you and thank you for your time. Sincerely, Nicole. Well, let's get to it. I am going to do my best to answer these questions and give you any other information that I might 
feel is relevant that will help you with this class and this program. Um, but before I do that, Michael, do you want to say anything about the questions that you were sent and what they were, you know what I'm saying, and uh, anything like that? If I can remember correctly, I don't well, you should have been better one, prepared. Then. One, one was, one was. I, I got to work. I work for a living. That's what's so. up. That's what's so. up. <laughs> so the, the one one question was asked was uh, uh, about the commissary. Okay. And of course, it's terrible here because. Why you say that? We don't have but half a page of food. Half a page of food. Explain that to them. They might not understand. Okay. That. We uh, the half a page of food items. You know, you got front and back. So the whole front is miscellaneous stuff. And some of it might be some of the food of the zone front. But the food items that are on the back is only half the page. So it's not a variety, a good variety of food. So, you know, me personally, I don't go to eat. I don't go to chow hall. Right. So I need some more food. So what are some of the items on the commissary? Cause, I mean, they might want to know Tuna, that. soups, chilies, you know, all pouch, you know, pouch items when it comes for uh, the chilies and tunas and ramen. Everything is high in sodium. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cholesterol. Yeah, cholesterol. Avoid, yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Most of the people that eat this after a long period of time, uh, are usually they usually end up on blood pressure meds and stuff like that. So. Yeah, and the, yeah. and the one question, another question that I, that I particularly liked was, uh, um, what does the system do to help you? If I'm wording it right, if what does the system do to help you or prepare you when you're released? You're right. Uh, nothing. Absolutely nothing. So, no, no. You wouldn't give them five out of ten stars? Nothing. They don't do anything. Just be fair. Uh, anything that, well, maybe not some, to you, but to somebody else. They have some services. They have some Such service. as? Uh, uh, what's the woman that does the, the thing up front? The, not up front, but the release the release thing. Reentry? Reentry. Right. They got a little bit. Okay, wait a minute. You know, they Hold had the program. On. Wait a minute. Explain what reentry is. They don't know. I don't either. Well, that'd be darn. Okay, look, reentry is like preparing you for when you re-enter society, right? Oh, I get that. They point. give you, yep, dig that, dig that. They give you help with um, getting, like, if you have to get food stamps. Uh, they help you get your driver's license, from my understanding. Whatever they do, I don't know the details of that part. Um, <clears throat> if you're on medicine, they'll make sure that you have a way to get your medicine. I think at least for three months when you leave here, you're stocked with your meds. Uh, if you're a mental health patient, they help you get lined up with getting SSI and things like that, whatever you're qualified for. Uh, but for somebody that's, uh, yeah, and they do conduct and hold a job fair. Which you can uh, only go to if you were picked. Yeah, yeah. most of the time, um, the people that really need to go to the job fair, for whatever reason, don't get to go. But I do believe they, uh, you know, I want to be a little fair with that because, I think that they do make an effort. Now, I don't know what happens every time where it falls apart at the end, but they do make an effort. But let me let me try to answer one of the questions that I have, right? That's that first one, right? And then, uh, let me read it again. She said, have you been incarcerated at other facilities or moved or transferred? And how did that experience compare to your current facility? Yes, I have been moved around quite a bit. I've been locked up for 34 years now. And I've been to, man. Have you been to all of them? Not all of them, quite a few. All the older ones. Yes, older all school, the older, all older the older facilities. And she wants to know how did that uh, compare, how did that experience compare to your current facility? Uh, this facility is the most, bar none, 
the most laid back place that I've been. Um, at other prisons, and let me try to explain this to you so you understand. At other prisons, when you go to the shower, you would have to wear boots. Well, let me be real. I never did that because uh, I was uh, participating at that time back in the day in gang-related activities. And uh, I never really had to worry about uh, security issues like that. But most people at a facility uh, other than this one, uh, they have to go to the shower with their boots on. And that's a big deal because the shower is one of the most vulnerable places that you're going to be. So you have to be prepared, even when you're taking a shower, to be ready to fight and defend so, yourself. So where you were at, did the shower, did the shower doors lock? Uh, no, you just pulled them up. They no, they lock. didn't lock. No, they didn't lock. They didn't lock. They, they, they didn't lock. But, again, like I say, I didn't really have those problems. And uh, I, during the time that uh, I was at these other facilities, I only saw maybe a couple of assaults take place anyway. From the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. But being at this place has been a plus. Um, those other places, you know, it is what it is. But I know when I was being transferred, let me say this about being transferred, whether you're at a good facility or not, right, being told to pack up and get ready to move is stressful. You're being taken out of an environment that you're in that you've gotten used to, whether it's crazy or not, and being moved to an environment that you have no clue as to what you're going to be expecting and the people there, and it's stressful. And uh, that's, a, that's really hard on people to get moved around like that in here. And it, it continues to, uh, in my opinion, it traumatizes people, whether they use that terminology or not. It traumatizes you when you're on that highway going to another facility because the whole time you're on the road, you're thinking about, okay, is there somebody there that I know? Is there somebody there that I'm going to have to fight? Who's going to be my new cellmate? So on and so forth. All kind of questions like that, right? So it's a stressful experience, you know what I'm saying, just because you're moving whether you're going to a good place or a bad place. But you know out of some of the 20-some-odd prisons or whatever that are in Tennessee, mm. do you think that you know at least two people? At, at, one, every, at one. every one of them. Absolutely. I would say so, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I'll say this. That doesn't mean they're all good. Uh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, so I guess the question I'd, yeah. ask, I'd ask is when you were with, when you were with the mess. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Was the was was the environment all right to you? Because you, yes, you know, because I was with the mess. When you're in that bubble, you don't realize. Come on now, yeah. You don't realize how bad it is. Yeah. You know until you're outside of that, and you've had some time to be outside. And when you look back, like oh, I was tripping. You know what I'm saying? I was really on one. You know what I mean? But you don't realize it at the time. It's all about surviving the moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, my next question is, she said. Oh, it's about the podcast. Uh, as far as I know, I am the only person in the United States that is incarcerated and has a podcast. Unicorn. Uh, hmm? Unicorn. Unicorn? What is that? You're the unicorn. Work with me. Oh, I'm the unicorn. Well, <laughs> well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold up. Um, because there was one guy that was in San Quentin yeah. prison, and it was an ear hustle. That was the name of the podcast. It was called Ear Hustle. And he got out. The governor pardoned him. But did he, he continue out. doing anything? I he think he out? still works with the podcast company. Yeah. But he got out, and that left me alone. You know what I'm saying? The only person that I know of. And she wants to know, is this a 
unique opportunity given to me or our others doing something similar. Uh, as far as the podcast, my family is the one, they're the ones that really helped me with this. Uh, it's not um, like sponsored by the prison and so on and so forth, that kind of thing. But there are other people here that are doing some great things, not what I do. Um, they're doing music, making music, making beats and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Writing books. I have a few books out too. Um, but yeah, there are other people doing some great things here uh, that are not associated with the prison. You know what I'm saying? You got people here that work on the maintenance, and that's where you work. Yeah. He maintenance, he can uh, tear down and build back an air conditioner. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> With his eyes closed. So, but but again, that's 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 you. That's to me. That's that's special. But that's something tied to the prison. But when you leave here, you'll be able to do that. Yeah. Then you got other people here that cut hair. The barbers got license. Yeah. That that are you know they can work on the streets cutting hair when they leave uh, tomorrow. You know what I mean? Um, but as far as running a business, you know, while in prison, right now. As far as I know, I'm the only one uh, that's doing what I'm doing. So, yeah. And you asked, the third question you asked me, what am I most grateful for? Hmm. I am grateful to the Most High to wake up every morning. Uh, I would go further to say that uh, I am grateful to be able to have a voice. One of the biggest things about doing this podcast is uh, it's for me it's therapeutic and I just want it to be heard and this allows me to do that um, when you get put in a place like this whether it's a layback place like this or any other type of prison um, you're cut off from society you're cut off from any opportunity to do anything to contribute you can change your life change your heart but without access, nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever know. The last thing that they'll remember you by is what happened at the courthouse and when they took you off to prison. That's it. They don't communicate uh, to the outside world what we accomplished throughout our incarceration. And I am grateful that this podcast allows me to let you know about me and other people and the things that we're doing. You know what I'm saying? And the strides that we're making, the changes that we're making. You know what I mean? So I'm grateful. I'm grateful to that. You know, there are a lot of other things that I'm grateful for, but you know, that's one of the things that I'm grateful for. And um, those were all the questions that she had. But let me tell you a little bit more about me. I've been locked up for 34 plus years, going on 34. Yeah, going on 34. I'm in prison for. Murder and armed robbery. I was tried for the death penalty. I didn't get it. It was an eight to four. Eight people said yes, four people said no. All you need is one to say no. I had four. Um, during my incarceration, I have written a couple of books, Thinking Outside the Fence. Uh, I wrote uh, another book called uh, The Making of a Murderer, How PTSD Influenced My Decisions. Uh, plus, uh, I had a magazine for a few months. I've developed a few apps, and I have this podcast. I am really 
grateful to be able to do that. But at the same time, I wish that um, the system would make a way for people to do more than that. And, um, yeah, I was a gang member, a gangster disciple. I walked away from that lifestyle in 2008. I firmly stand on that that lifestyle is an evil lifestyle. That's just how I get down. Um, what else? I have two kids. One of them is a successful influencer, publisher. He, was, he did time with me. His name is Joe T. Baker III. He's all over social media as well. My other son, Montrez, he's my oldest son. Uh, he's near and dear to me. He has mental health issues. He did time with me as well. Um, I've lost a lot of family members during my incarceration. My father, uh, my grandparents, and countless other family members. And I do not recommend that anybody uh, walk in my footsteps as far as the criminal lifestyle and those types of decisions. But what about you, Michael? What is it about, uh, what would you share to people that you're grateful for? First, you know, first and foremost, that, that, uh, that God gave us life. And that, you know, that, that, that we have the opportunity to be forgiven, you know. Uh, so that's my most grateful thing. And, and to say, you know, Along the lines of what you said, my, my mother just passed away last year. Yeah. And matter of fact, it'll be a year uh, Tuesday. Mm. So that's something I don't want to, I, I, I wouldn't want anybody else to experience, you know, because that, right. that's, that was a terrible thing to see my mom in this, right. in this situation, being behind bars and having to go mm. uh, to the hospital yeah. shackled. Right. with two armed guards, man. And I'm like, look, I'm trustee. No, we can't do that. It doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. I said, man, I go outside the fence every day. I go around around town and, every day. You know, every day. But you gotta you gotta shackle me. But that's yeah. the policy. That's what yeah. it is. So you know, I'm you walk through the hospital, and it looks like you're on death row. People yeah. looking at you like, whoa, what did he do? Yeah, it's serious. Huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but I too am in here for murder, and I've been in here 27 years since I was 20. I just turned 20 years old, and. Uh, I'd like to say that those in the criminal justice field, if you're to the college students, right? Uh, I hope you have a passion for the criminal justice, whether it be prosecutorial or defense, or even in corrections. I hope you have a passion for that because without that passion for it, there's certain jobs that you shouldn't have if you don't have a passion for it. Lawyer, doctor, or teacher. Right. Because if you don't have a passion for those things, then you're not going to be doing it to the level right. it needs to be done right. you know so I, I would hope that you guys have a passion for what it is that you're studying and let me add something to that right when you talked about those that might be going into the uh, criminal justice field I've really come to understand and believe if you don't believe in rehabilitation or, or, or reformation uh, and those types of things if you don't believe in that I'm telling you that you're in the wrong line of work you're going into the wrong line of work because at the end of the day I do understand that some people some people deserve to be in prison and not get out. I get it. I've seen some real monsters in here. Uh, but for the most part, most people, if they had the resources and the right um, counseling and opportunities while they're in prison, 
they could get out of here and make a real go of it. But that's what's lacking. And if you're coming into this field and you're not trying to bring something to it, to add to it, to make it a better situation for the victims of crime and the perpetrators of crime, you might want to rethink what you're doing because it's a two-sided coin here, you know? And I get it. I get it. You know, most people will tell you, don't be thinking about it and worrying about what uh, criminals uh, or whatever you want to call us. I really don't like that term, but uh, most people will tell you not to worry about us. But if you don't worry about us, then the cycle is going to continue. Because if you think about it, the number of people getting out is, is high. It is it's high. It's a very high percentage of people that are going to get it out. It is high. So do you want this person living next to you that has been rehabilitated, that has been reformed? Or do you right. want this person that was doing the same old thing in prison? Right. You but know, that, that reform, that rehabilitation can only take place when you have true programming. Yes. True. Yeah. And, 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 and if we don't get that, and I, I understand everybody wants to say the money is funny, the resources are tight, and all this and that, right? But you're going to pay one way or the other. And I would rather yeah. uh, invest tax dollars in trying to help someone get it right. If you have sole possession of a person's mind and body for X amount of years, you're trying to tell me that you can't influence the behavior of that person in a positive way? Yeah. Fear does not change anybody. Fear does not change anybody in here. You, you, you know, having situations in prisons where you have officers that think it's okay to beat us up, smack us around, and do all these things and intimidate us into change, that's not going to work. It hasn't worked the whole time I've been in here, and it's not going to. It's not going to because when you treat people like that, you get short-term change. I'm going to change while I'm in front of you, but I'm building up this resentment towards you at the same time. You want situations where people will want to change. Present them with opportunities that they'll say, yeah, I want to do that versus sell drugs. I want to do that versus rob and steal and kill somebody. Show them a better way. You have to. You have to. Don't give up on us. That's what I would say. You know what I mean? But look, I'm going to wrap this thing up. Uh, I'll wait the next letter. I hope that uh, you enjoy this show and uh, learn something from it. If you have any questions or comments, uh, hit me up in the letter, or you can hit me up in the comment section on YouTube. That's where you can see the show. Uh, Other than that, this has been another episode of Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker, and I say peace, y'all.